Apple a couple of weeks ago came out with a new accessory for the iPad Pro, which basically turns it into, for lack of a better term, a really good laptop machine. I try to shy away from referring to the iPad as a laptop, but when you put it into the Magic Keyboard, it really does become something that you can use on your lap when sitting down and also have a similar laptop experience when it's on a table or desk. I've been using it. They sent me one, I think like a week before they came out. The moment I put my iPad Pro into that thing, I was shockingly impressed at the ease of use and all the features that in iOS seemed difficult for me to do. Like, for example, I've always had a problem getting like split view to work. Like if I'm in an app and I just want to have like a split view on the other side or or the, the slide over apps, like I can never like drag it properly. But with the keyboard, it's just it's simple. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am John Rentinger, and uh, we've got another week of another awesome special guest. And I think I'm going to say perhaps the most special of all guests. <laughs> My friend and genuinely good human being, oh. Mr. Cousteau oh, himself. Man, I love these intros. I love the way this is going. <laughs> Mr. Cousteau himself. This is going to be great. I love it already. We like to make our guests blush in ways that really only uh, like a gushing mother can make a son blush. So for those of you that that might not know Jacques, he is one of the biggest names in the sneaker game, big name in gaming, mm-hmm. and a, a big name on the internet overall. And, and he and I have kind of had parallel paths. I kind of with tech and him with sneakers and shoes. So Jacques, where can people find you if they want to see uh, all of your awesome content? All of this stuff is under Kusto, so K-U-S-T-O-O. So anywhere on the internet, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Bumble, Grinder, it's all <laughs> under K-U-S-T-O-O. Yeah, you're, you're gonna have a chance of getting a good match with uh, <laughs> with Joy, <laughs> with uh, with Jock. So this is this is different than our usual sort of tech focused guests. You know, last mm-hmm. time we had John Prosser on leaking exclusive all kinds of Apple news. This week we got a new docket. Fresh direction wow. here for the podcast, and I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. All right, Andrew, what do we got? Okay, well, let's talk about Jacques Slade for a moment. You told people where they can find you, <laughs> but let's talk about the kind of content that you make. Because as John said, this week, we don't have someone who would be considered as a tech creator yes. directly, but you still play around. Like, you dabble in tech, you dabble in gaming, oh, yeah. people know you for shoes. Right. I own, I think... Between 75 and 85 pairs of shoes here. I know John is crazy. And the, over the past couple of years only, correct me if I'm wrong, John, actually, isn't it fairly new for you? Maybe like two two years or so? It is. And actually, I blame, I really blame Jacques, actually, for me getting into sneakers. He and I were working out of the same studio for a while um, mm. with the uh, the good folks at SunSquared. And, uh, you know, I had just sold Techno Buffles looking how to change things up. And, you know, Jacques would, would casually roll in here and be like, well, be like, that's a man who's got style. And I looked at myself and like my Rams t-shirts. I'm like, that's a man who doesn't have style. Um, and so I was like, I think sneakers seem like something I always kind of wanted to do, but I just, maybe I just didn't, I don't, didn't have the time or just, just didn't do it. So I started dabbling in sneakers because of what I saw on uh, Jacques' feet personally. And also after watching his videos for a while. So I blame him for my now expensive habit. It's a good place to find the habit, though. Yeah, and yeah. I love it. I love it. And people always feel so weird about like, oh, I want to buy shoes now, but like I don't feel like a sneakerhead. And I'm always like, yo, buy what you like. If you like what you see, buy it. Don't let 
the crowd of sneakerheads sway you one way or another, like get into it. If you've been wanting to do it, do it. Don't hesitate. Like it's an open world. Jump on in. Everybody starts somewhere. Like it excites me so much to see people get into sneakers. Like I remember when I started noticing like John mm-hmm. rocking like Jordan ones in the videos, <laughs> I would tweet it out all the time. Like, yo, Yo, Jacques. So what's what's the story? How it's did such you? A cool thing. How do. did you go from what I believe was a high school teacher, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Into what you're doing now. Like, what's the story for folks who want to get into to YouTube or maybe want to get into the sneaker game? Like, how did you get sort of the top of the mountain? Oh, I, I would say I'm at the top of the mountain, but I got into <laughs> it because I was working at a school and the school actually shut down. It was a charter school and they shut down because of lack of funding. And then I ended up. I started writing about sneakers on the internet for a couple of publishers. And, you know, I was into sneakers before, but when I started writing about them is when I started to really like dig in and really, really get to the meat of it. And while I was doing that, I suggested that they do videos. This was again, this was back in 2010 and there was people doing videos in the sneaker world, but they weren't like highly produced videos. And I tried to bring in a highly produced sort of vibe to the videos that I was creating back then. And that really just took off. Like that changed everything because at that time, no one was doing it. This was before Complex was doing sneaker shopping, before Nice Kicks was doing Sneak Peek, before all of that stuff was happening. I was doing this show called Today in Sneaks or This Week in Sneaks and just doing like a news review show of sneakers, Mm. kind of like there's a, I forgot the YouTube guy that does it. There's a YouTube guy that does like these daily tech videos. It was basically like that, but for sneakers and that just took off. I didn't, I didn't expect it to, but it just turned into a totally new thing and people really enjoyed it. Was there a moment when you realized like, wait a minute, like this is, this is something. I never knew that it was something different or something like, oh, this is going to be something that's going to like change my life. I I never really realized that until the Jordan House video that I did took off the way that it did because I was doing videos and it was slowly building up and there was other people starting to do it. But the way that that Jordan tour video just exploded, that's when I realized like, well, like this is something different. Like this is something bigger than I ever thought it could be. And it really set me up for, for like the success that I have now for sure. And I, m- I remember watching that, watching that video. That wasn't just like a, a tour of like Jordan sneaker facilities. That was like a, when you say Jordan's house tour, like that was a tour of Jordan's yeah. home. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was really more like a vlog. Like the funny thing is like, I get comments about it now. Cause really it was about the shoe that was, the, the, we were there for the shoe, the Jordan 29, I believe it was. And the comments that I get now are like, we don't want to see your face. We want to see Jordan's house. And I'm like, really? It was like a vlog of me vlogging my experience at a shoe launch. And it just exploded. Like there were plenty of other people there. I honestly don't know what it was about my video that was so different. But like Sports Illustrated was there. Like ESPN was there. Complex was there. Nice Kicks, all these other outlets. Bleacher Report was there. Like all these other places were there. But for some reason, my video like exploded. Let's talk about the passion for a second. Because so obviously that's how you got into things. Uh huh. But the passion was already there. So, yes. what was it about just sneakers 
in general? Why did you, you know, you left what you were doing previously uh-huh. and you chose sneakers. What was it about sneakers that like you gravitated towards? Well, I can say that sneakers has always kind of been something that I was into. And that goes back to like my childhood and watching the older guys in my neighborhood play basketball. So I'm a big basketball fan. Like I love basketball probably more than anything else in the world. And when I was young, I would look up to these guys in my old neighborhood that, you know, they were dunking and playing and shooting from far. And I was young, like five, six, seven years old. So watching those guys play was like, my introduction to the world of sneakers because I basically wanted everything that they had because I wanted to be able to dunk like them. I wanted to be able to tap the backboard like those guys. And obviously by having the clothes and the shoes that they had on, that was going to be my gateway into being such an awesome basketball player. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, that's not the truth. But, you know, when I was young, that's what I was thinking. So I would watch those things. And that's how like my passion for sneakers started because I just wanted to do, I wanted to be in dress just like those guys. So, so I got I have a lot of questions for you about the passion, things I've always kind of wanted to ask. So for folks who are looking to, and I get this question all the time on the, on the tech side, you know, how do I get into tech? I want to do tech videos. Sneakers has gotten huge and grown kind of at a rate very similar to what tech has done, especially recently. What advice do you have for people that are looking to start a sneaker channel now? And it's the same thing yeah. again with tech. Like, yeah, yeah. do they have to spend a lot of money? Is that necessary? Like what... What do you tell people when you get these sort of slew of emails? So there's like three things that I would say here. First, just start with what you have. You don't need to have the latest and greatest sneakers in order to have a sneaker channel. That's just like a sub genre of sneaker channels. There's places like sneaker history that speak to the history of shoes. There's running channels that talk about the first time they wear a running shoe and go out for a run. You have to find your own voice and find your own lane, and that's what's going to make you different. The second thing is you also have to realize that nobody cares. Um, (laughs) So that's going to be the reality of you starting out. Like Nobody owes you anything. You don't deserve anything, and no one cares. So if you're doing it because you want to be huge, that's probably the wrong reason to do it. More than likely, you'll be disappointed. I am fully aware that I am one of the lucky ones. People could not care about me just as quickly as they could not care about the next person. So just start with that in mind and the feeling that this is just going to be you creating. And then the third thing is have your own voice. It's fine to mimic people to start, but as you do that, start to develop your own voice and your own personality because that is what's going to draw people to you. And if you kind of start with those three things, I think that'll set you up for the best path that you can go on, keeping those things in mind. We'll transition away from sneakers for a second, but I want to ask because honestly, I'm legitimately curious. I'm sure you get this all the time. And I know I get this question on the tech side, so it feels silly to ask somebody else it, but like, what are your three favorite sneakers? My three favorite sneakers? That's a really hard question. I would say my favorite would probably, it changed, it's something that obviously it changes, kind of like in tech, like your favorite thing kind of changes over time as your needs change and the things that you do change. So if I'm going to base it on the shoe that I've worn the most in my collection, it's an Air Jordan 3 Black Cement from 2011. Like it's absolutely falling apart and I still wear it all the time. But there's a the shoe that's really close. Like I love the Chuck Taylor 
the Converse All-Star as well. I wanted to be a rapper when I was younger and I was super into entertainers and I would always see like rock stars and bands and they would always have on Chuck Taylors on stage. And so when I first started doing shows and I was on stage, like I wanted to have on Chuck Taylors because that was part of like the rock star, hip hop star uniform. Same goes for like the shell toe, the Adidas shell toe. Like that's such a classic shoe in terms of in terms of hip hop and like it stood the test of time but i for basketball i love the air jordan 11 i love the air jordan 1 like there's just tons of like the air max 95 you know there's just tons of shoes i guess all right let me ask one more shoe question and this is obviously this is not a shoe show but when you have jock shade on the right. jock slate on the show <laughs> you take advantage you got to ask so this is actually a question for both of you guys so I'll answer it for myself first. What I want to know is Jacques said something earlier about how, you know, some people have this pressure of, okay, I want to get into sneakers. Like they don't want to be a poser. They don't want to, they want to do it the right way, but there isn't really a right way. It's just more just do what you want, do what you like, and you're good. I know some people who, when they buy a shoe, they'll buy two. I'm going to wear one. I'm going to keep one Christine. There's people like me who are, I can't tell you the names of any of my shoes I just buy what I think looks cool and something that I will genuinely wear and then I'll wear it. I don't worry about if it's going to get worn out or if it's a re-release or whatever. I just, oh, this looks cool. I like it. I would wear it. I'm going to buy it. What do you guys do? What are your styles for uh, choosing what you're going to pick up? Jacques, how are you? Well, I think I'm a little different because like sneakers is my job. So I buy stuff a lot of stuff that I have, I wouldn't necessarily buy on my own, Yeah, but I buy it because I know that there are people that like it and I have information about it and I try to share that. Yes. As far as getting stuff that is like for me personally, I follow the same rules that you do. I buy stuff that I think looks cool and stuff that I like just because it's a Jordan 1 or a Jordan 11 or an Adidas Superstar or an Adidas Boost doesn't mean I'm going to buy it. I buy it if it's something that I specifically like, if it's for me. If I'm doing it for work, I buy stuff that doesn't necessarily resonate with me, but I still get it for the purpose of work. So I would say I'm very similar to you in that vein. And if you look at I mean, when you guys follow Jacques on, on Twitter, I mean, you'll see every weekend he's out there trying to buy shoes with his, you know, hashtag Saturday, uh, hashtag Saturday post. I don't know how you get up every morning at 7 a.m. here in California to do it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get up and get that whatever purple toe Jordan ones. And I wake up I'm like it's 830 and I wake up I'm like there's not a chance that's getting me out of bed. Um, so I respect that. First of all, do you set an alarm or do you just always up early? Well, I'm always up early because I run in the morning. So I usually get, oh. I'm, I'm up like 6.30, 6.15 almost every day. All right. So making the rest of us look bad. Um, and as, <laughs> as, as somebody who's who's new to the sneaker game, there's a lot of stuff that like I've kind of always wanted, right? Like, you know, I'm a kid of the 80s. I huge basketball fan like Jacques was. You know, I used to, you know, I was watching those Laker Bull showdowns and like mm-hmm. seeing, you know, the, the Jordans especially is something that I've always yep. gravitated towards. And I love the Jordan 1 silhouette. I just. That's almost everything that I have are different versions of the Jordan one. So I keep an eye to like what things might be worth, but I don't buy extra. Uh, mm-hmm. I try to take good care of them, but like I'm not freaking out about my toe box getting creased yeah. or, you know, <laughs> anything like that. Like I'll wear my shoes and I'll try to keep them clean. I, I bought these very, very nice little boxes to keep them in little drop fronts with a very handy coupon code. 
uh, that uh, has been been helpful to sort of keep things clean. But that that's sort of my if it's Jordan one, generally I'll try to uh, I'll try to buy it. So my last question for Jacques, and I promise I get off sneakers. Andrew, and I get this question all the time from people on sliding into our DMs, but it's like, can I have an iPhone? Can I have a Pixel? Oh my can I have God. an S20? Do you get that? Do you get like, can I have your off-white Jordans? Like, do, yes. do you get do you get that? Oh my yes, God. Yes, yes. And I understand where it's coming from, especially for the young kids. I get it. But yes, I would say at least two or three times a day, I get someone in my DMs asking me for a pair of shoes. What's the most requested? Like, what's the iPhone 12 Pro or 11 Pro Max of, of sneakers? You know, it's not... It's not often specific. It's just a pair of shoes, period. Very rarely do I get, can I have this specific yeah. pair of shoes? Unless like I've mentioned that I have like two pair in a video or something like that. Then when that video goes live, like I'll get it for like a week or two after that video. Yeah. But generally there's no like, hey, can I have an iPhone? It's more like, hey, can I have a pair of shoes? That's fair. I mean, that's, that's probably a very different thing than uh asking for a flagship smartphone very different reasons <laughs> yeah. i imagine all right so should we transition over to tech like a little bit a little bit of tech we're talk? about to transition right now all right so when i first met Jacques in person it was at last year's e3 microsoft xbox media briefing it's one of the briefings that i look forward to most every year as a big fan of xbox it's my yeah. console of choice and Regardless of whatever keynotes I go to during the year, I always feel like that is one of the most fun. So I've brought up Xbox and PlayStation and Switch on the show previously, but it's kind of hard to get John Rettinger into a spirited conversation about these topics. And so <laughs> it's not that I don't care. It's just that I don't I don't I got three you don't kids have the time. And like yes. by the time, yeah, the time I have time to game, it's like 939. I just want to go to sleep. Right. So regardless of what your excuse is, I'm happy that this week we have someone who can share opinions on what's coming later this year, because 2020 is one of those special once every seven to eight years where you get a brand new console generation being released. Despite everything that's going on, both Sony and Microsoft have said they still have plans to release the new consoles this year. They're not being delayed. So, Jacques, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are your thoughts on the upcoming next-gen uh, console releases? So here's the thing. Like, I think I'm probably more of a tech guy than I am of a sneaker guy. Like, My YouTube subscription are all tech guys. Okay. I follow them almost exclusively just because I'm so into like the tech world for everything from gaming mm -hmm. to cell phones to computers to cameras like i'm dead set to follow and, and and be a part of that world so for me like this is obviously a super exciting year like the xbox was it was fundamental in my college years me and my boys we played xbox all the time literally we lived in an apartment building it was a four bedroom apartment building we would run land cables from our apartment over the patio to the patio of our neighbors next door and into their living room because they had an Xbox as well. And we would play Halo till ungodly times of the night. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like I, I'm almost embarrassed like how foul 
And some of the things we would say, because our, our patios were adjacent from each other, we would leave the patio doors open and would be yelling obscenities across <laughs> the patio based on a land cable. So like there was a his living room we'd be playing, we'd be playing in my living room. And then we had a switcher, a router or a switcher, I believe it was. And it would go into the back master bedroom because there would be like four people in there. So we'd have like 12 people playing at one time. And it was the foulest thing that you've <laughs> probably ever heard. Just imagine a bunch of college aged men playing Halo calling each other names like we would name ourselves like gonorrhea um we would name ourselves <laughs> and so like if you got killed it would be like gonorrhea killed you like like we were absolutely out of control so i have this deep-rooted love for xbox and so for me to know that a new one is coming out all of the new specs like the, the basically the pc level specs that we're getting on the new one yep. It's really exciting. I agree. That's funny. It's a funny story because I forgot that I used to do something similar. Just in our apartment complex, we would have uh, wires going under our front doors from one to the other across the hall so they could plug in. And then we could be playing Xbox with people across the hall. Yep. What an old school way of doing I totally forgot about that because you had to have the physical cable on the yep. original Xbox. There was no Wi-Fi. Like nope. no one had Wi-Fi back then. That wasn't a yep. thing. So, yeah, we have the Xbox Series X coming. We have PS5 coming. I'm an Xbox guy more than a, a PlayStation guy. I don't know why or how it became this way, but I suspect that for me, what cemented my place with the Xbox, I had the original Xbox, but it was really the Xbox 360 that kind of got me in. And I think it was all about the gamer score, being able to get achievements and compare what I was able to do in a game versus what my friend was able to do what achievements, you know, it's not just about beating the game anymore, mm. but it's did you get this achievement? What's your gamer score versus mine? Yeah. And while these days I don't really pay attention to it as closely as I did back then, it was something special and unique that no one else had at the time. Another way to compare yourself and just have like that friendly competition yeah. with your friends. Yeah. For me, it wasn't, we weren't necessarily tied to gamer score. I think it was more community just because like, all of my friends were doing it. Like I said, we lived yep. in a four bedroom apartment for two years. And so like we would all just play together. We were so bad. One of the guys that played with us that lived in the patio across, he was the head of the student union. We would have land parties in the student union. Like we'd he'd rent out like a conference room and we'd have like land parties, Xbox land parties inside the student union during his break. Yeah. So it was more about community for me because everyone had an Xbox. So everyone had like people had PlayStations as well. But I guess the communal part of PlayStation just wasn't there. And I think that is what solidified my relationship with the Xbox more than the PS5. Like I have a PS4, I've had all the Playstations, but there is something more communal, I guess nostalgic for me about the Xbox line that draws me to that one more. I'm with you. John, what is your gamer score, sir? I've always been drawn to the Xbox as well, and I've had every every console that has come through it, but I picked Xbox for a more practical reason. I just like the controller better. Oh. I always yeah. like the controller mm -hmm. better than what you had on PlayStation. And I know now the PS4 controller is significantly better. I've, I've, I've got that as well, but I've just kind of accepted it for no reason, really, that like I just prefer an Xbox and I can't back it up for any reason. Yeah. But I'm just an Xbox guy. I don't know. 
my gamer score, but generally the games that I do play, and I do play them pretty regularly, the sports games. You know, I'm playing Madden, I'm playing 2K. That's about all I really do anymore on the Xbox. I do play a lot of Switch with my kids now. We had to actually physically remove it because it was becoming a problem in our house. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's been fun to sort of see, like, you know, see my kids find a love for video games too, but try to find a way to, like, do it appropriately. But for me, I'm all about the sports game, just like life. I'm, if I'm not reading about tech, like, I'm reading about sports or now the lack of sports and rumors that sports might be coming back. That's kind mm. of... Oh. Dude, did you have a, so, so Jacques, big basketball guy, current rumor they're going to do it like a summer league where there's like four games in a day in one arena. What? That's oh, the, no, that, that, the plan that. is getting floated in Orlando, supposedly at Disney World or wherever the magic play. It's going to be like a summer league thing, like whatever oh, Lakers, yeah, Warriors yeah. at nine. And then at like 1230, it's whatever Thunder Grizzlies would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. And supposedly NBA coming back July. So anyway, I just totally hijacked that conversation. Clearly away from gaming, as I've been accused as of you doing do. uh, for a while. Yeah, as I tend to do. <laughs> so you know what, John? I just want to get a touch and taste of gaming <laughs> in there, and I feel satisfied that we did. Needless to say, I'm very excited about the Series X, very excited about the PS5, but Series X has more of my attention. But let's, let's move into something that John has a little more comfort with. So a few weeks ago, Microsoft announced their spring lineup of hardware releases with a Surface Go, a Surface Book, Surface headphones, and earbuds as well. And I actually haven't gotten any of these in yet, but I believe both of you may have. So why don't we talk about the new Microsoft hardware and uh, how it's treating you? Yeah, so I, I can jump in here. Actually, our, our video, the Surface Go 2, just went live 20 minutes before we started filming this. Fun fact, my Surface Go 1 review while about half a million views is my most disliked video uh, in the history of my channel. <laughs> what? <laughs> so uh, super nervous to put up number two. <laughs> Essentially, the, for the first one I said, I don't know who this is for. It's expensive, underpowered, and there's so many better options out there for the price. And people took like a lot of offense to that. <laughs> Second generation fixes a lot of those problems. My issue with the first gen was it was a Pentium gold powered chip. It was issues with running full windows and it, it didn't do anything well. You can now option it up to a Core M, much more capable processor. And now it becomes a really good companion computer, a great computer for online learning, for doing Zoom, for sort of sitting on the couch with. It's a computer that makes a lot of sense now. So I've really liked the go-to, and I like now I can see who it's for. And then the other one we've taken a look at and a review should be coming out soon is a Surface Book 3. And as much as I dislike the original Surface Go, the original Surface Book is probably one of my favorite computers of all time. Yeah. Just the hinge was awesome. And the fact that you could detach the screen and flip it around is amazing. And that design, I think, is a timeless design in the world of consumer electronics. And having said that, that design did come out, I believe, four years ago. Yeah. And the Surface Book 3 looks identical to it. So a dated design, but still very powerful and capable computer. I think if you want the best hardware out there from like aesthetics, it's really still hard to beat. What Microsoft is doing, although Dell is pretty close with the new XPS line. Yeah, I would say that's 100% accurate from my, again, in my perspective, as the sneaker guy approaching tech, the Surface Go to, like, it's a cool machine. Like, it, it is definitely for, like, I feel like a, a very chill consumption, light email, like, 
a work device, almost like it's something that I would say like my wife would use because my wife is not going to be doing anything intensive on her computer. She might VPN to her job and like that's the extent of what she's going to do besides like browsing the internet at night for home remodel ideas. Like that's something perfect for her. It's nice. It's small. It's light. It takes her away from the big computer at work during the day. So like I feel like that's perfect for her. And the same thing, I mean, really what John said about the Surface Book 3 too. I love the device. It's well-made. It's super quality. It has some like weight and some heft to it. It's well-built. The detachable screen is still super cool. Regardless, like I, I still think it's like really cool. They made the detaching faster. I don't, I never had like a particular issue with that, but I saw some reviews and people were like, it detaches so much faster now. And I was like, I, I guess I just didn't pay enough, pay enough attention to that. That wasn't a big deal, but the screen still comes off, which is awesome. And then, you know, the keyboard's nice. Yeah. I personally like the trackpad because it's smaller. Like my MacBook has a massive trackpad on it and that's good. It's good in a sense, but I actually prefer my older MacBook's trackpad because it was smaller. I tend to rest my palm, the thumb, my thumbs like on the bottom of the computer, you know, under the space bar. And so I often get like these mouse jigging and moving around because of the big trackpad. But with the with the Surface Book 3, it's smaller, so I don't have that issue. It's more like my older MacBook. So that again, that's probably something small with me. Like people like worry about, oh, it detaches faster now. Now I'm like, oh, the trackpad's too big on my MacBook. But those are things that just pop out to me. And, you know, it's not the most powerful thing in the world, but it's not the least powered. It's not the most expensive. It's, it's not a gaming laptop, but, you know, you can do some decent gaming on it. Like, I think it's a it's a good machine overall. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's the best way to put it. It's like a, a good machine. If you want something where you can type and you can also detach, like if you want that two in one sort of hybrid machine, then like the Surface Book 3 is probably the best thing out there right now. Are you guys detaching, though? Out of curiosity, are you genuinely like, you know what? I need to detach. I need tablet mode right now. I detach when I'm watching like YouTube and stuff or if I'm walking around, um, like I'll detach it. Like I'll work on it on the studio and then I'll detach. Like if I'm going downstairs and I'm going to watch TV downstairs, we all like watch a TV show. Me and the kids and the wife watch a TV show or some sort of anime or something while we have dinner. And we'll bring that downstairs and set that up and we'll watch TV on that. So I detach when my, my kids are doing their online classes. They play with the trackpad all the time. They move stuff around. I get screaming at me that the window went away. So I detach and I just flip the thing backwards. And I, I turn, the monitor, turn the monitor backwards, the screen backwards, the keyboard facing away from them so they can't do anything. But other than that, I don't, honestly, I don't really detach. I, I occasionally I will. I like having the option. It's like having a pickup truck, right? Like you're not always hauling stuff, but yeah. when you want to haul stuff, it's, not, it's nice to know you can. Yeah. So I like that that's still something that can be done. You're not just sort of flipping a screen around like you get with a lot of other, you know, Windows laptops like the Lenovo line, for example. Mm -hmm. It gives you something very different. And I think that's cool. Plus, I mean, it's a dedicated GPU in a laptop, which is not something that you get with a lot of laptops nowadays. So, and now it's a beastly GPU. Microsoft was like, hey, it's not a gaming laptop, but like maybe you want to try some games on it. And we did, you know, handled it really well. And we threw Premiere Pro on it. We tried editing on it and it rocked it. They missed the boat big time, though, with their I.O. I don't know why Microsoft is refusing to do Thunderbolt. They claim it's security issues. But a computer at this cost, not having Thunderbolt is a big deal. There is USB-C on it, so at least you can sort of use those accessories. But that 
strikes me as a really big miss. Yeah. For my, especially at the price point they're playing in. So I'd expect the Surface Book 4 is sort of a new design and probably the first to embrace Thunderbolt, but they haven't done it. And they are in love with that magnetic charging port, the Surface Connector. I mean, they love <laughs> that thing. Which is cool. Um, which is nice. I like it. It is cool. It's, it's nice sort of like for charging. But like if you're going out and about, would you rather just carry like one USB-C cable, which you can still charge your computer with? Yeah. You know, it's, it's of questionable utility, I think, nowadays. I need someone to invent a USB-C that's magnetic to kind of do that USB. Like like the MagSafe or the Surface Book yeah. adapter. Like I need someone to do a legit, an OEM version, not like yeah, something you buy from Amazon. Like I want it to be a part of the system, not something new. So Jacques, what's your editing setup? Like what's your, are you, are you on Mac? Are you on the PC side? I edit on my MacBook Pro. And then I have the Surface Book 3 as well. That I, Well, Surface Book 2. I'm, I'm using the Surface Book 3 now until I have to send that back. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So you're a, are you a Premiere Pro or editing in Final Cut or what are you editing in? I edit everything in Final Cut. I go in Premiere if I absolutely have to, if I'm working with somebody that's using Premiere. But I don't, I don't voluntarily go into Premiere. Have either of you tried the new Surface headphones, either the headphones over ears or the earbuds? I tried the earbuds at an event and I couldn't get them to stay in my ears. I tried all three of the adapters and Mm -hmm. I don't know. And they were saying that I believe it's like the three adapters fit 90% of people's ears. And I guess I'm just part of that 10% that it just didn't fit. So I didn't really get to really listen to them. I haven't listened to the new headphones. I personally really liked the old headphones. I wish they were smaller and I wish they could get smaller for travel. But besides that, like I'm really good with the Surface headphones, the original version. Right. What are your travel headphones, by the way? What do you guys use for travel? Because I've found that despite having fantastic over ears or even on ear headphones, when I'm on the go at this point, I'm just like, just give me what's convenient. And it's usually the AirPods in my pocket. I don't even, I don't even go for the bigger stuff anymore. I mean, I, I can jump in there. So I used the Surface headphones, the original ones. Those were my travel headphones. Now it's sort of pre-AirPods Pro. Uh, if I'm taking a short trip, generally I'll still just carry you know the AirPods Pro. But the Bose Headphone 700 for me have been absolutely amazing for noise canceling and battery life. And those things can last like 15 hours. If I've got anything longer than an hour and a half flight, like... I'll take up the space in my bag to keep those with me. Yeah. Yeah. Same. If I go on a flight, I take the service headphones with me. If I'm just like in general, like now just chilling or if I'm like running to the store, I'm usually using the, I have the AirPods and the AirPods Pro just depends on which one's charged at the time. (laughs) Um, It's the one I throw in. And then when I run, I actually use the Bose. Oh my gosh. No, it's actually not even the Bose anymore. It's this new, these JBLs. JBL sent me some some head. I can't think of the name of them, but they have like these headphones for running and they, like they fit really securely in my ear because I can't run with the AirPods because they just fall out of my ear. But JBL has a really nice pair that I'll be using. I'll, I'll think of it by the time we get to the end of the call, just blurt it out randomly. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Let's go to the next topic real quick before we take our break. So we talked about Microsoft hardware, Surface Go. We, did. we talked about the Surface Book 3. Apple a couple of weeks ago, came out with a new accessory for the iPad Pro, which basically turns it into, for lack of a better term, a really good laptop machine. I try to shy away from referring to the iPad as a laptop, but when you put it into the Magic Keyboard, 
it really does become something that you can use on your lap when sitting down and also have a similar laptop experience when it's on a table or desk. I've been using it. They sent me one, I think like a week before they came out. The moment I put my iPad Pro into that thing, I was shockingly impressed at the ease of use and all the features that in iOS seemed difficult for me to do. Like, for example, I've always had a problem getting like split view to work. Like if I'm in an app and I just want to have like a split view on the other side or or the, the slide over apps, like I can never like drag it properly. But with the keyboard, it's just it's simple. So it feels like a lot of these iOS features that they announced as part of iPad OS 13 were kind of meant for keyboard use and trackpad use. And so I want to yeah. see what you guys think about about this one. I know, John, you had some issues with battery life. I haven't seen any issues with battery life at all. So I'm curious what your experience has been. I'll let Jock take it first. Have you used the Magic Keyboard? I have not used the Magic Keyboard yet. I want to. Um, I have the original keyboard. I haven't used the Magic Keyboard yet, though. Original keyboard is trash compared to this. <laughs> it is. So I think the iPad Pro is, is probably one of the most perfect products that I've ever used as far as accomplishing what it's set up to do. I love my iPad Pro. I used the big one, the 12.9. And I was pretty stoked for the Magic Keyboard. Sorry, to try to use it for more. And I'll, I'll leave the discussion about whether or not it's a computer or not. It depends on how you use your technology. But for me, I have had such crazy battery drain on my iPad when I use a Magic Keyboard. I'm losing like 20 to 23% an hour, which is just, I mean, asinine and insane to a level I haven't seen before. So I have, I ordered another one. I have another one coming and Apple did not send this to me. I'm not as, as special as Andrew is. Uh, and I'm going to try to sw- swap it out to see if it's a hardware issue. And I did just update my software to 13.5. Maybe there were some software things that could be worked out. Mm-hmm. And I've still had the same battery life drain. But having said that, I'm still using it. Granted, I'm charging my iPad a ton now. It's actually charging on my bed uh, while I'm recording this. But I still love it. And I think it's changed the way I use my iPad. I'm using it a lot more than I ever did before. Previously, it was content consumption. Yeah. Now I'm using it for a lot of more content creation, uh, email replying, analytic watching, you know, that kind of thing. So I've loved it, but battery life has been also awful. And I'm not alone. I know, uh, you know, Quinn, Snazzy Q had the same issues I had. Apple sent mm-hmm. a replacement. I'm sort of waiting to see if, if a new one fixes it. So I'm, I'm hopeful that I just, just got a bum unit. And that, that could happen to anybody. Right. Right? I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not calling like battery gate on here and you know, making a video yeah. about it. Uh, I'm just hoping <laughs> yeah. as, as, a, as a consumer that I just got a bad one and that that's bound to happen, right? With, you know, millions of products being shipped. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you just said about using it more. It makes me want to use the iPad more and in different ways than I was using it before. Like I would never yeah. want to grab my iPad Pro to just bang out some email replies because it's just like the smart keyboard it wasn't that great and the on-screen keyboard yeah. not great either. I'd rather use my phone, quite honestly, than use my iPad if I was doing typing. Now, yeah, agree. totally different. Like, I will actually grab the iPad before I grab the 16-inch MacBook Pro that's sitting right next to it, just because of how easy it is to type, number one. And number two, a lot of these touch gestures and touch apps, if I'm going to use, like, the Notes app, for example, in Mac OS, I'd much rather use that same Notes app on the iPad and have still the touch functionality as well as the keyboard and trackpad functionality too. Mm-hmm. So there's there's yeah. something to be said for having a device that is still fantastic with touch, but also now 
has great optimization for both the keyboard and the trackpad input. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what iPad OS 14 is going to be bringing to the table. Yeah, I think, I think that's exciting, right? Like to see the evolution of it. And yeah, I, I think with this first gen Magic Keyboard, we haven't seen a product like this from Apple since the original Apple Watch. It very clearly has like the headroom for improvement. Like you can see how it's going to get better, right? A touch bar either built into the keyboard or a software touch bar that shows up on your tablet that can add sort of function keys and things like that on there. There's a lot of room for this to improve better angles for viewing. So I think it's cool to see how it's going to evolve and how it's going to evolve in tandem with sort of the brand new iPad OS. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting though, because when I use like, if I use my Surface Book and then I use my iPad Pro with the regular keyboard, sorry, layman here. <laughs> oh. Um, but I still, you know, use touch the screen. Like, and with the Surface, you can touch the screen. And then I, I'll notice that when I come back to to my yeah. MacBook Pro, that for the first like five ten minutes, I'm like touching the screen, trying to do stuff <laughs> until it clicks in my head. Like, no, you're not on. You're not yep. on the Surface, and you're not on the iPad. So it's it's interesting. I think there's there's opportunity for that touch screen interface to come to to the MacBook Pro. I'm not sure how I would. I guess I should probably pay more attention, but I feel like I would use that more considering I do it on the Surface Book and I do it on the iPad Pro. And that's an interesting one because I feel like Apple is trying to show there's a clear line. Mac OS is going to be an input operating system where you use a trackpad or mouse. And iOS is going to be our platform where if you want touch, that's where you're going to go. And now if you want touch with a laptop-like experience, iPad Pro is where you go. But it'll be interesting to see if they do switch that up. Let's take a break. After the break, we're going to talk about a huge Apple rumor slash news leak, the next big thing potentially from Apple or maybe from the tech world could be coming next year. That is after the break on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental story of the week. As you know, Geared Up is sponsored by National Car Rental. And if you don't know, I also do a show with National Car Rental on YouTube called Technically Speaking, where I bring you the latest, my picks for the best tech for business travel. Whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel, there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun. You can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash national car rent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. Once again, big thank you to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. Now it's time for the National Car Rental story of the week. Apple AR augmented reality glasses are coming. But before we jump into that, John, you gave us a tidbit of information during the break that I thought, why not share that with the world at large? Yes, <laughs> we're, just, we're taking a break. <laughs> and uh, I was like, hey, Jacques, did you know I just happened to see it on my Facebook feed that 17 years ago today, LeBron signed a seven year, $87 million deal with Nike and turned down $115 million. And if you do the math, I believe that makes LeBron what, 19 years old. Oh, wow. When that deal happened. I mean, I don't know how if that got paid over time or if you just got like a fatty check for $87 yeah. million, but yep, yep. that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. It's a lot of money. The biggest rookie shoe deal in history. And I think it, I think it remains the yeah. biggest rookie shoe deal in history to this day. It was done by uh, the folks at Goodwin Sports. 
that used to be LeBron's agent. And they actually, during the last dance, they tweeted out a pair of Nike airships from Jordan in the black and red colorway, which yeah. is the actual shoe that was banned by the NBA. Oh. Or, or It wasn't banned, but they wrote a letter about it. They wrote a sternly worded letter about him. And he has, the guy that owns Goodwin Sports, he has one of the two pairs of that shoe that Jordan had back then. And he hasn't actually signed by Jordan. They said that they're worth like two, three, four hundred thousand dollars It's crazy. That's amazing. And by the way, if you have any interest in sports or just unique figures in history, even if you're not a basketball fan, the last dance is stellar. 10 hours of TV. Yeah. I could have watched 10 or 20 more. Like, just fantastic. So for those of you that don't know, The Last Dance was a, a documentary on, on Michael Jordan and the final seasons with the Bulls. And uh, it was just an amazingly, amazingly done, unless you're the Houston Rockets, which they didn't mention at all. And they oh, won two championships in between that whole story. And The Last Dance didn't say a word <laughs> about any of that. That's true. Um, just a... Uh, a fun fact, but it was I was unparalleled access sort of to. Yeah, and I, and I would say we will use the word documentary very loosely. <laughs> it, was, it was it was Michael Jordan's telling his own story. <laughs> I mean, the winner always gets to write the history. Yes, absolutely. And I think if anything, this is just a little controversy here. My personal opinion, the last dance showed that Michael Jordan is the greatest human being to ever touch a basketball. My opinion, backed up by the last dance. Okay, I won't get into that. (laughs) Let's talk some tech. That's for the next break? So, (laughs) let's jump into tech. Apple augmented reality glasses. Another topic that John Rettinger doesn't really seem to care too much about, maybe for your own personal... Actually, I'll let you answer. Is it because you personally don't have much interest or you don't think that there's much interest in like the population at large? So I know this clip is going to get played back, like <laughs> the Steve Ballmer la- laughing at the iPhone clip in like 10 years. As the technology exists today, I see very little interest and very little need for augmented reality. Right. Like, okay, maybe if I'm like have glasses on, I'm driving and I could see on the road like directions like that's cool. But like a heads up display can do most of that. I'm just not excited at all by augmented reality as it stands right now, which is clearly giving myself an out and a cop out answer. (laughs) But I I just it's not something that is any any interest to me at all. Just like I don't have much interest in virtual reality. The regular world is crazy enough right now uh, without it being virtual or augmented. So augmented reality glasses from Apple, which our friend John Prosser leaked is coming next year are of questionable utility. But then again, I also saw questionable utility behind an iPad. You know, why do mm. I want a, a bigger a bigger iPhone? And then when I started using it, sort of that became something that I didn't realize I needed. And I think Apple has done a very nice job over the years giving people products they didn't know they needed. Yeah. You know, it's that old Henry Ford quote. Yes, people, what they want, they sell you a faster horse. Like, sure, give me a faster horse and we'll see what augmented reality can be or uh, turn into. So that was my non-committal. Don't come back and haunt me answer. That is very, very funny. And I'll say that I agree with you. I absolutely do. I got super excited about virtual reality. And I thought like, oh, this is going to be awesome. People are going to be having these things on their face. (laughs) And you're going to be doing this in your bedrooms. And it's going to be great and awesome. And nothing. 
like absolutely nothing. It was like it was like when Hollywood tried to push us on 3D again. Yeah. And like <laughs> they did it for like two years and they realized people were just like, I people just don't care that much. Like it's great for one thing here and there, but then there is no energy behind it. And it's and like the reason I think of it that way is like AR. Like Apple has been doing AR for I don't know, the last three seasons or so, three years or so, like the AR stuff, they've been doing it with the iPad. They did at some of the presentations, they had a game where they would show the game in AR playing on the table. I think they did Minecraft one year or something. And that's like, that's probably the last time you hear about it. Like you don't hear anything else about it. So I'm just not sure that there is the type of energy behind it or the consumer is really ready for that. Now, I say that, but I'm also being like, I've also been digging more into like virtual production and how big that is with stuff like Unreal Engine and how like they're shooting this stuff with and like these virtual sets. And like that seems super interesting. But again, that's such a, a niche audience that is going to be interested in something like that. I'm just not sure that Apple doing glasses is going to be the answer. And I'll take the John route. And like, as of right now, I just don't see the usefulness of it for a larger community outside of a very niche, like gaming and entertainment space. Yeah. Now I think the one thing that Apple is able to do when they release something new, whether it's an iPad, iPhone, Apple watch, AirPods, they will find usefulness. So like something that you both said was, I'm not sure what the use case is. And I think what Apple's good at doing is they'll present a use case and it may not be the best use case, yeah. but they'll present a use case and then show how fun the use case is. So when they showed the iPhone originally, which was an underpowered phone, quite honestly, they would show... Here's how you swipe to unlock and here's how you pinch to zoom, just for example. And we've never seen that before. And so it was like, oh, that looks that looks fun. I want to yeah. try that. Even if it's just not the best use case, it's still something that you want to try out. Mm-hmm. When they showed off the Apple Watch, people were kind of not wearing watches anymore. There was a time period where people, you would use your phone if you want to check what the time is. And unless you were into mechanical watches, you just weren't wearing a watch and they made the Apple Watch. They had their vision for it. Yeah. And even quite honestly today, a lot of people would say, if it wasn't for the health stuff, there's not much utility in wearing this Apple Watch, but they made it something that was fun and something you wanted to try out. I'm wondering, it just seems to make sense looking at the track record that this is where they need to go. They need to show, here's these glasses, mm-hmm. and here is what you can do with them. Here is the experience it's about the experience more than it is about is this useful or not yeah because i don't know xbox series x like we talked about earlier i'm looking forward to that but i don't know what the usefulness is like it's not about you know what i mean like getting work done or making my life better other than giving me something fun to do that i enjoy they need to provide that kind of experience with ar and they need to avoid i don't know if it's apple or the industry at large If you fast forward 10 years from now, if everyone is wearing a pair of glasses that can pop up information or experiences wherever they go, everything gets ruined by ads, right? 
can you imagine walking around and you're getting served advertising on top of the real world? Like hop into our store. Here's a $2 coupon. Like that kind of stuff yeah. is what scares me is how advertisers get into everything. If something's big, advertisers jump in and try to be a part of it. And I feel like the real world, well, actually, I was going to say the real world seems like it's the one place where advertising like shouldn't be. But if I walk outside and go down the street in Times Square, advertising is everywhere anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be something that we haven't even thought of that when we see it, we're going to be like, I need to try that. That looks cool. I need to at least give it a shot. I agree that we'll try it. I don't think anybody's going to be hesitant to try it. I guess I'm, I'm more concerned about the mass adoption. I think about it in the same way that I think like my kids, they'll buy virtual items and there's a value for them to that. I don't see that same value. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go into a game and buy a virtual outfit or <laughs> yeah. a virtual something virtual and spend real money for it. I'll play the game and I'll enjoy the game and I'll earn that uniform. I'll earn that gun, but I'm not going to buy that gun or buy that thing. I just don't. Yeah. So I think, I don't think the world at large is at that point where virtual there's the virtual currency has the sort of mind share that regular currency does, I guess, in the sense things that you can do physically and tangibly. I don't know if that digital world has that sort of, mass adoption yet. And I think that's what's going to have to happen in order for something like this to be acceptable. Like watches, Apple doing a watch. Okay, cool. What can you do with the watch? But it's an Apple watch. It's a watch. It's something that everybody already wore and something that everybody already had. They just did it their way. Right, right, right. There is no already AR or VR in that sense. Like it's there, but no one's taken on to it yet. VR is like almost like the laser disc. It's a great idea. People are in it, but there's something different and better that's going to take over it or the world's just not ready for it yet. That's a good point. Apple has been the master of observing what's going on and then figuring out what works and what doesn't and then taking what works and building a product off of that. And AR is different because there's not much to observe. There's not competitors out there. And in fact, Magic Leap who seemed to be the one who was going to come out with something that would knock people's socks off, they had to shut down their consumer product development, and they're only going enterprise now due to, you know, I think they used it as an excuse, the whole COVID-19 thing. I think Magic Leap, they've been working on this for a decade, and they just weren't able to come up with what they needed to do to, to make it a viable product for the consumer. But either way, there's not much for Apple to observe. There's no one else they can look at and and what's working and what's not working. So this is going to have to be an area where they are the one innovator because not only is there no one to observe, but there's no one else doing consumer AR. Microsoft's switched to enterprise only. Magic Leap is enterprise only. And I can't name any other companies that are all about AR. So it's going to be interesting to see. The rumor is that the glasses will be named glass. So similar to Google Glass, will be Apple Glass, $500 with prescription lenses at an additional cost if you need that. And that the announcement would come in 2021 and they would ship in late 2021. That is uh, the information from John Prosser. Mark Gurman 
who is from Bloomberg and has been a prodigy when it comes to internal Apple news, says that this is fiction. That's his words. And he thinks that the confusion lies in that Apple is going to first announce a combination AR slash VR headset in 2021. And then they will announce a pure AR only device, which will launch more in 2022 or 2023. So Mark Gurman is saying there's probably two different products here and that Apple is first going to go with a headset that does AR and VR powered by the iPhone. And then later they'll release an AR only headset. It'd be interesting to see. It sounds exciting. But while you're talking about it, I'm thinking, I'm like, how could I use this? I'm like, is this is yeah. this like an exercise thing where I have these glasses on and I'm exercising with someone that's in the room with me and that helps me with my form or something like that? Or if I'm trying to take something apart, is that where the beauty of it is? That's interesting. Let me give you an example. Have you seen, since both of you are into basketball, have you okay. seen the home court app? Yeah. Yes. So you know how you can open up home court, you can start taking shots, shooting around, and it'll tell you, here's how far away you were, you were from the basket. It went in, it didn't go in. When you shot it, you were a little to the left or to the right. It'll plot all your positions. Now imagine you just have glasses on and you can watch, so you can be a coach, you have your glasses on, you can just watch people shooting around and you can see exactly where they took the shot from, where their shot went, which ones went in, which ones they didn't, how many they missed, how many went in, all in your glasses. Basically, you have a heads up display right in front of your eyes. If you're the person shooting around, now you probably don't want to shoot around with glasses, but using the same example, you can get instant feedback on your form or maybe you're golfing instant feedback on what you did and what you need to do next and how to improve all in front of your eyes without having to take a phone out or look at a watch. It just appears in front of you. So now obviously this is just me coming up with random stuff that I don't know if is possible or not, but I think there are things like that where it's like, how can this make my life easier or better? If I'm going to the store, let's just say you need to be eating like a low sodium diet or a low sugar diet, for example. As you're shopping, can you get information as you grab something off a shelf and look at it that tells you this fits or this does not fit with what you should be buying? Yeah. Rather than having to look at the label and then scan the label and then read the ingredients and everything is small print, that kind of stuff is Mm. what excites me. I don't know. I'm still like, all right. Yeah, you hear right. their reactions. Both reactions were like, eh, well, eh, eh, I don't know. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. like my first thought is like, that's an app. Cool. There's an app for that. Like that's that's my thought. Fine, fine. You know what? Let's move on. Final topic of the day. I am in the midst of buying a home, doing an upgrade, so I can have more space dedicated to video, more space dedicated to podcasting that's separate from video. Mm-hmm. And my wife can have her own dedicated space for her business. Her business is a loud business, which will often interrupt me if I'm trying to do a podcast or record some video. So this is going to be an improvement all across the board. But I've worked for so many years in our current place to go from having a home to having a smart home. So pretty much everything in this house can be controlled either from a phone or with voice, whether we're home or not. I can unlock doors. I can open garage doors. I can turn lights on or off. And now I'm starting with a clean slate. And so I wanted to see or find out from you guys. Like one thing that I think, John, you did 
that when I watched the video, like I never forgot about it because it looked so incredible, was the brilliant switch. Yes. A, a smart switch. But I want to talk about just in general, smart home devices that you guys use, like, or aspire to. Because the brilliant switches is definitely something I'm aspiring to. But if John, maybe you can talk about that for a moment. Do you still use that? Yeah, so it's still installed. I just have that same one installed that I showed in that video. And it's really handy. It's a smart switch, which sounds kind of silly. You just sort of swipe your finger over it, turn things on and off. But it's also, it's a screen. It's full Alexa enabled, so you can talk to it, ask a question, you can schedule when the lights turn off. It's unnecessary, but it looks very <laughs> cool. And of almost everything in my house, it's probably what people ask me about the most because it's weird to see a little screen. <laughs> the most useful technology in my house has actually been a smart lock. Now, recently, I just replaced my Nest Yale lock with a sort of more hidden level lock, but some sort of smart lock is awesome. I live right in between my parents and my in-laws, and everybody's always coming over to my house. I didn't want to give everybody keys. Yeah. Now, they just have, now they just have a code. They, they put in their code, they can come in, and I can keep track of who came in when. And also, I can make sure that like my wife didn't leave the house unlocked. I can lock it mm -hmm. from there. That's been really helpful. My house also mostly runs on Google or I guess the Nest Homes now. So I've got a few of those set up to control, you know, lighting, to control some you know, air purifiers and that kind of stuff. I have not ventured into HomeKit despite you know, using Apple for half the year just because I think the UI is horrible. So that's at least been my highlights of my smart home. What lock did you say you were? Did you say you were using one and you switched to another one? Yeah. So the Nest Yale lock uh, was awesome. Okay. I have a lot of Nest products, so kind of all integrated in there. And then I swapped it right now for what's called the level lock. It actually lives inside of another lock, whatever lock your house has. It kind of replaces the bolt, and that part becomes smart. Fun fact about a, a young John Rettinger. <laughs> Before I went to college, I actually worked for a company that installed lock displays at Home Depot and Lowe's. Really? So I have a very odd skill set of installing locks. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, I spend a lot of emphasis on, you know, what's on my door, make sure it's the most useful uh, possible and then kind of try to do it myself. So you like what you're using now? Would I you do. recommend? Yeah, I think the Nest Yale lock is awesome if you want to have codes. I think the level lock is amazing if you want a smart lock, but you don't want it to look like a smart lock or you want to keep your existing lock and yeah. key, but still have smart functionality. Okay. Jacques, what about you? You, you got smart home uh, integrations going on over there? I guess technically we do, but not really. We don't have smart locks. We don't have like Nest or anything like that. We still use like traditional AC, but we do have Google Homes and Alexa devices around the house. So I have a Google Home Mini in my bedroom. I have the Google, is it the Google Display? Is that the Google Home Display? What is it called? Yeah, the, the Nest, Nest Home. Home. Yeah, Nest Home. The Nest, is it the Nest Home now? So I have one of those in our in the master bathroom. And then we have a Google Home downstairs in the living room. And then the kids, one has a, an alarm clock that's Alexa enabled. And the other one just has an Alexa like puck, one of the whatever the little pucks are. Echo Dot. Echo Dot, sorry, there you go. And we use those very sparingly. The Google Home downstairs only like, we only use it when like there's a family event in the kitchen and like everybody's cooking yeah. or like somebody's cleaning the kitchen. They'll say, hey, Google Play, blah, blah, blah. The Nest display in, in the Google Nest in the bathroom is like when my wife's getting ready in the morning, she'll listen to the news. She'll do like the weather and things like that. And then I honestly just use the Google Mini that's by my bed mm -hmm. more as like an alarm clock more than anything else because I feel like it's a little, 
the sound it makes yeah. is a little more pleasing yeah. than the iPhone alarm. So I use that one to wake me up. But that's the extent of our smart home. We have like ring lights and a doorbell, if that counts as a smart home. It counts. But nothing integrated into the lights or anything like that. Not yet. I'm just not, I, I, I'm trying to find a use case for us. I don't think we've evolved that much into that use case quite yet. Okay. I'll say my favorite smart home device that I have, which unfortunately is the one that cannot be transferred from home to home is the smart blinds. So I have the smart blinds, which you have to, you have to like measure your window. So, you know, let's just say it's three feet by three and a half feet by two feet or whatever, however big your windows are. So you can't just take them off and put them into your new windows because your new windows are likely going to be a totally different size. If it's not exactly cut the right way, it's going to look weird. But being able to say, for example, like I can ask, uh, I do use HomeKit, although my rule is I like HomeKit and that's what I want, but I want everything I buy, if it's HomeKit compatible, it also has to be Alexa and Google compatible as well. So I can use any of them at any time. So I have HomePods spread throughout the house and I can ask Siri to, you know, I can say like raise the blinds in my office to 20%, Mm. for example. Or if I say goodnight, as part of that scene, all the blinds in the house will close no matter where they are in any room. And that's like just one of the, I don't know why, because, you know, I can control the door, I control the lights, all sorts of stuff. But but you're having your blinds, maybe it's just because when I was younger and I was watching MTV Cribs, they had like the old school version of like auto blinds. And I felt like that's the aspiration kind of like when Jacques was talking earlier about when he was younger and he had his inspiration and, and how he wanted to be the baller, the basketball player and the rapper later. For me, it was, I want to reach the level to where my blind, like stuff in my house is just automatic. That isn't supposed to be automatic because that looks crazy. So maybe smart blinds aren't cool to other people. I don't know, but For me, it's so cool to just have all your windows opening and closing, like the blinds opening and closing or being on a schedule or just asking for just saying it out loud and having it happen. I have a Serena. I think the brand is Serena Shades by Lutron, but very cool. Everything else can be moved. Smart locks, lighting. There's so much stuff, though, in my house that I feel like it's daunting to go from having almost everything smart, like the fridge, the stove, like my washer and dryer will send a notification to my TV when something is done. It'll just pop up on my TV. Hey, washer's done. Time to move things to the dryer. To now having to like start all over again from zero is a little scary. Man, I need to step up my smart home game. Y'all make me feel bad. Y'all make me feel <laughs> Come on, Jack. It's time. It's time. You have the devices. You have the devices that you can talk to, but it sounds like you just use the devices for themselves and you don't have them control anything else. They just give you the information that you ask it to give yeah. you. Yeah, we use them for the very basics of what they of what they could be used for. All right. Hey, Jacques, I want to thank you for coming on to the show this week, giving us some time to talk with you. Before we go, remind people where they can find you. You can find me, uh, it's at Cousteau, which is K-U-S-T-O-O. And that's on all the social places from TikTok to Snap to LinkedIn. Like I'm there all under Cousteau. And on YouTube as well, obviously. YouTube. Yeah. YouTube, Twitter, 
Facebook, Reddit. Can I drop in a quick admission? Sure. Real quick. So I've seen your username, obviously. Uh-huh. And it never occurred to me that it was Cousteau until <laughs> today. I actually have always pronounced it as Custu. Most people The second have. you said that, I was like, oh, okay, I am feeling sheepish. Jacques Cousteau. No, no, obviously. Don't, obviously. Don't, don't feel bad. The way it's spelled, it's definitely Custu. So don't feel bad. You were just using, you know, what you learned how to use That's English. That's correct. I tried to spell it K-U-S-T-O-O when I did it in high school because I thought that was just a cool way yeah. to spell it. I learned very quickly uh, when I started going online and meeting people in person, they all thought it was Custu. So most people think it is Custu until I say it. And then okay. they go, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. So you were not wrong. I just thought I was very, very cool in high school <laughs> by spelling it that way. And um, I wasn't. Ignoring the uh, the rules of English isn't exactly the way to be cool. Awesome. So check him out. If you're into at all sneakers or fashion or just the culture, one of my favorite channels out there on YouTube. Thank you. Appreciate that. John, anything you want to tease next week? You're the master of teases. I know you're working on something. Wilson, thank you for that. I appreciate it. You know, maybe I will have an exclusive on something uh, channel related that I can debut on this podcast. But more importantly, I want to thank my friend and overall good uh, human Jacques Slade for, for coming on uh, our podcast yes. our guest and, and giving us uh, his time. Oh, well, thank you guys. I honestly, I had a great time. I love, I love talking tech. I am like a low key tech fan and I, I try my best to act like I know what I'm talking about, but it's actually good to get around people who actually know oh. what they're talking about. So I appreciate it. Well, we, we appreciate it. And just to show what kind of person Jacques is when this whole COVID thing started, he was sending me messages a couple of weeks. Just so I was like, Hey, just checking in on you. Want to say hi. And that's a good person and uh, and a good friend. So, Jacques, thank you for, yes. for coming on and uh, being our guest this week. Absolutely. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at YouTube.com slash Gear Live. And John is at YouTube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.